Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So wonderful to see everybody. Happy Sunday. All right, let's sit and do nothing together. How beautiful. So yeah, just go ahead and move into a nice posture for practice. We'll be meditating together for the next um, half hour. And then we'll do a little Dharma talk after that. So just allowing the eyes to close, if you like. And as we begin, just bringing in some gratitude for the practice. Reflecting on this rare opportunity to turn inward, especially together with community. And we could use this reflection as energy for the practice. At some point, the Buddha, after lots and lots of searching, a lot of seeking, at what point he sat down and he made a commitment. I'm not going to leave this spot underneath this fig tree until I attain enlightenment. And of course that took amazing resolve. But I reflect on this as much as I can before every sit, because I wonder to myself, am I meditating like that, with that resolve, not just to check it off the, um, off the to-do list that day, to check a box, But like, this is it. This is the meditation that can lead to awakening. Because the reality is it has to be this meditation.
It's the only one that we have. It's just this one in this moment. So bringing forth this attitude of spiritual urgency And this simply looks like wakefulness, the intention to stay present with what is, that's the commitment. The simple commitment is to come back, being present in the here and now.
and noticing if there's any part of your experience where there is a rising of stillness or calm. And this might take some investigation simply noticing in the mind, in the body, as a felt sense. If this might be true, <clears throat> that somewhere there is stillness. or peace. And if so, directing the attention there. Resting the mind there.
Hello to everybody. Again, thank you for taking the time um, to sit uh, together today and just to be the support for one another. Uh, it's always amazing uh, that we get this opportunity. So we are going to uh, be chatting uh, this whole month actually on the four noble truths. Yeah, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to dive a, a little bit deeper um, into this since um, really there's four Sundays in this month and yeah, just kind of came to my mind. So <laughs> it's, it's always a good idea to, to dive deeper into, into this. Uh, we'll be focusing on the first noble truth uh, today and I will just put in in the chat box actually so for anyone who is new I'll just kind of put the four noble truths in in the chat box Yeah, so the Four Noble Truths, um, there is suffering, there is an origin or cause of suffering, there's an end or cessation of suffering, and the, the last one is there is a, there's a path, there's a path out, and actually that Eightfold Path, I just wrote out different pieces of the Eightfold Path. Yeah, and you know, Kind of prepping for this for this talk and reviewing the four noble truths you know it was got a little bit excited because i realized how beneficial these practices are and how much i use them every single day so there is a an idea sometimes that we could have that the four noble truths are in in some way a a beginning uh a teaching or in, in that category you know this is like a preliminary almost teaching uh, it's not so advanced if we look at the path as a whole if you were to begin teaching the dharma a lot of times this would be automatic to start with the four noble truths. So I'm going to, you know, we're going to start here. And there, then there might be an assumption that because this is the beginning, yeah, that these teachings are somehow not as advanced as teachings that come afterward. So this couldn't be further from the truth, obviously, right? The four noble truths are, really the entirety of the path and the underpinnings of the Buddha's most important teachings. You know, and of course the story of how they came to be was this is the first teaching that Buddha gave after his enlightenment. So after his enlightenment, he ran into some old friends, some of monks that he used to practice with and they didn't think too highly of the buddha actually because he had left their very strict right way of training and they thought maybe he was just you know uh, uh maybe he was just a lazy spiritual aspirant <laughs> but after seeing him they noticed a radiance uh, about the buddha and they said, oh, you know, this is, this is different. You know, he's, he's changed. And so they asked him, you know, what's, what's changed? And, you know, he spoke um, these teachings. And so what I think is quite interesting is that this is how he decided to encapsulate that experience that was so fresh and so new. 
it must have been, uh, you know, this, it must have been maybe, you know, difficult to put into words uh, the essence of what had happened. And this is how we chose to do so. This was how he solidified that experience of awakening was the Four Noble Truths. So very, very profound. And as we look at the, the Four Noble Truths, there's actually 12 insights. So there's three insights that go with each one. And I'll just kind of put these in here too as I talk about them. And, and the insights are that it, basically the truth itself. So in the first noble truth here is that there is suffering. I'll just put this in here. Sorry about that. Kind of taking off some stuff. So, so the insights for each one is the truth itself, that it should be understood and that it has been understood. And so for the first noble truth of suffering, it's just the statement, the truth itself. So this is suffering. There is suffering. It should be understood is a second insight. <clears throat> that it, it has been understood is a third insight. I remember first, you know, hearing about these insights, and I thought that these insights were something that was going to be like an epiphany of sorts, like on the truth itself, like, oh, there's going to be an insight into the embodied experience of, you know, suffering exists, you know, the realization that suffering exists. And <clears throat> there's going to be an insight into the fact that this should be understood as a whole, and then it has been understood. But I actually like to look at this, these three insights more as practice instructions. This is really the meat of, of why these are, um, the Four Noble Truths have so much practical wisdom within them is because remembering these three factors here, we extract so much uh, moment to moment wisdom, like throughout the day. You know, I realized just a, a real life uh, uh, example the other day. I was traveling on a road that I frequent, and there's not a lot of traffic on this road. And there was a there's like one light on the road, and this light is rarely red; it's usually green. There's not a lot of traffic, but I noticed for some reason that it was, I was always hitting a red light when nobody was there and then it was taking a long time to get through it. So I thought it, it might've been malfunctioning or something like that. It doesn't matter. The, what matters is I was impatient. <laughs> I was like, you know, this is usually not like this. And it's on the way to a place that I work. So there's a deadline. So. I need to get somewhere. So impatience is arising. So there's a suffering of impatience arising. So I, I noticed this. I also noticed, and this wasn't so cognitive, but reflecting on how these can be of assistance. You know, I was kind of just doing this as part of the, the practice of, of the four foundations of mindfulness of looking into my present experience. So I looked into the, the impatience, you know, arising, and I noted there, there is impatience here. And upon that reflection, I also understood that I wasn't going to be late. So I'm not going to be late. Even if this light doesn't turn, you know, green immediately, I'm not going to be late. And that it wasn't about the light. I just noticed that there is an innate something within me that does not like my progress. <clears throat> to be stumped, right? I do not like that. I want to keep moving. I recognize that. And I, under, I understood the suffering in that moment. The suffering wasn't the light. It was 
it was me and that it was okay. And so in that, in that little way, I was relieved from that suffering in that little moment. So on a grand scale, of course, when we're looking at, when we're looking at suffering, we can get these, you know, this, this, this epiphany of the nature of, of suffering. But also, it's interesting to, to look at these little, you know, little pieces of our lives that, that this, is, this arises and how we can overcome them. So this is very, very practical, you know, noticing this. It's also really important when we're speaking of the Four Noble Truths, and in particular, the First Noble Truth, is that we, we don't forget about the other three. I see this this quite often where people talk about Buddha and you know, Buddhism, that the Buddha taught all life was suffering. And and sometimes people will stop right there. <laughs> like it's just suffering. It's like, no, that was like a that was like the first sentence of a thought, you know. Like he kept going. <laughs> He's like, Hey, hey, let's recognize that there's suffering. And then the second noble truth is that there's an origin or a cause of that. And then the third noble truth is that there's an end, there's cessation to that. And, and there's a path out and here's an outline of that path, right? So it is useful to take them piece by piece. This is useful. It's also useful to understand, you know, that there's more, right? The useful piece about taking it, you know, just one at a time and not getting ahead of ourselves is because we really want to understand the suffering piece as it is. So we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because getting ahead of ourselves is a really good way not to see what's here. We can get ahead of ourselves in that way. So Buddhism is this unique, you know, the Dharma is this unique modality that releases suffering through the wisdom of understanding. You know, it's actually not looking for anything else. It's not looking for any kind of like state of, of bliss or oneness or, you know, union with some divine piece of ourselves or anything like this. It's actually the the teaching of wisdom through understanding like liberation through understanding so taking this piece by piece there is suffering that's the diagnosis you know there is suffering and then you know breaking that down even further this should be understood this suffering this suffering in the here and now it should be understood and it has been understood. Even, you know, this little piece, it has been understood. It's very, very clear. It's very direct. Very clear, very direct. So I want to talk about some obstacles to seeing the first noble truth. Uh, the first obstacle is ignoring, uh, ignoring suffering or denying. Um, there's a great little, I'm actually going to send you a link before we get off the, um, the, the session here, uh, the, the talk today. I'm going to send you a link to Ajahn Sumedho's little booklet. So if you can see it in PDF form. It's a little booklet. On the Four Noble Truths. And I, I think it's a great reference for us this month because it's very short, very succinct. It's like 70 pages. Each, each truth is maybe 20 pages. So it's something very digestible. Of course, this teaching is huge, right? We could talk for, well, for a lifetime really <laughs> on these, but we're going to cover them a, a bit quickly. So I'm going to share that with you. But Ajahn Sumedho, yeah, he's you know, speaking of the ignorance and the denial of, of suffering. So this is a big obstacle. 
And this is just something that's very natural to us to ignore the suffering. When we look out into the world, we like to see what's fresh and new and alive. We want to see the blooming flowers and say, wow, that's really, really pretty. A lot of times we're not focusing on the other side of that, you know, the, the decay and the observance of, of uh, things perishing, for example. <clears throat> uh, I had the great opportunity the last couple of weeks to work with the nurses at UCI, uh, just doing some meditation with them. And I went into about six different departments, uh, sitting with them. And, and I always find it beneficial to uh, visit hospitals. I've always enjoyed visiting hospitals uh, because I don't enjoy visiting hospitals. <laughs> you know, like visiting a hospital, there's always that initial hit of like, wow, look at all the suffering that, that's going on. And then, you know, sitting within those environments and really understanding the wisdom to be uh, garnered uh, there. Uh, it's seeing the compassion, seeing the empathy of, say, the, the, the nurses, seeing their strength and their courage of, like, just, you know, facing this, the, these sufferings head on day in and day out, like, super incredible really, really amazing. And just for my own mind, you know, to say, hey, you know, don't, don't forget, you know, this is, this is a reality. And my mind loves to forget. Like, I, I don't want to really see it. Right. So coming in, coming into that, that reality is, is always beneficial. And also, you know, with this ignoring, you know, distractions of like not having the tools. And I think this is actually really important to understand that without having the tools to be with our own suffering, it's actually quite wise. You know, there's a wisdom in distraction. There's a wisdom in, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to be with this. It's, it's very compassionate and very kind in a way, you know, to, to do that. There's also an understanding if we're practicing Dharma and it, it could be, you know, other inner resource tools that we have. You know, if you have other tools that assist you, not just, you know, classical traditional Dharma stuff, but if you have other tools that are assisting you in, in being with the suffering long enough to understand it, it's important to note that we're not just looking blindly. We're looking with the tools of non-judgmental awareness, the tools of kindness and compassion, uh, the tools of wisdom of how long how long to to look. You know that's a piece of the wisdom. If we're sitting with something very heavy, then one piece of wisdom is maybe just look for a short amount of time. You know, for something heavy, for example. So we want to we want to kind of use that as as we do this exploration of of our own suffering. We want to realize that we do have tools and to understand how they're working for us, right? Um, another obstacle of noticing the, the suffering is this dependence on comfort and pleasures as being the way out. You know, we have this fundamental understanding that is through comfort and pleasures that that's gonna be the way out. Right? Um, even the pleasure of the light changing, you know, like that was my way out. That's what I wanted as the way out in that instance. I wanted the light to change to green. I wanted to go. And, and if you would ask me, you know, right when that feeling a rose of impatience without mindfulness uh, of it arising, I would say, yeah, that's, this is the way out of my, my suffering is for the light to change. Very simple. I need the light to change. If I'm suffering from attachment, 
then I need to get what I want. You know, if I'm suffering from aversion, discomfort, I need this to shift. I need this to change. I need something pleasant to come into my awareness. This is what I need. I need something to change. Pleasure is the way out. Getting what I want is the way out. What I don't want, it going away, that's the way out. So this is, this is the mentality. So we're not seeing that understanding is the way out because there's going to be another red light. There's going to be old age, sickness, and death. There's going to be discomfort. <clears throat> so touching upon, you know, quickly here, speaking to the second and third truth, the second truth, the realization that it's actually this, this is it, this grasping, this attachment to wanting something to be a certain way. That's the origin of the suffering. The third noble truth, the, abandon, the abandonment of that attachment, non-grasping. That's where the cessation is. That's the end of suffering. Very, very, you know, simple at a stoplight, right? Like, like I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay if this light doesn't turn. You know, if my car broke down and I never got to that where I was supposed to go, I'd still be okay, actually. Like, I'm okay. You know, as Joseph Goldstein likes to point out, you know, true, true awareness, like resting in true awareness is whatever I'm sitting with never needs to change. You know, that's, that's a quite, you know, advanced kind of, it has a quite advanced feeling to it is that, you know, can I embody that as my truth? You know, I could sit with this, whatever it is. And it doesn't need to change ever. That's quite interesting. But wow, very liberating if this was possible. And again, can we get to this point through understanding? Can we understand it enough to see that maybe it's not so bad? I think it's a good little point here to, to tell a little story. This is Ajahn Semedo. Um, he tells a, a little story of, you know, of, of relating to this first, this first noble truth. Okay. So yeah, he writes, um, sometimes insight arises at the most unexpected times. This happened to me while living at Wat Pa Pong. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the northeastern part of Thailand is not the most beautiful or desirable place in the world. With its scrubby forests and flat plain, it also gets extremely hot during the hot season. We'd have to go out in the heat of the mid-afternoon before each of the observance days and sweep the leaves off the paths. There were vast areas to sweep. We would spend the whole afternoon in the hot sun, sweating and sweeping the leaves into piles with crude brooms. This was one of our duties. I didn't like doing this, I'd think. I don't want to do this. I didn't come here to sweep the leaves off the ground. I came here to get enlightened, and instead they had me sweeping leaves off the ground. Besides, it's hot, and I have fair skin. I might get skin cancer from being out here in the hot climate. I was standing out there one afternoon feeling really miserable, thinking, what am I doing here? Why did I come here? Why am I staying here? There I stood with my long, crude broom and absolutely no energy, feeling sorry for myself and hating everything. 
Then Ajahn Chah came up. Ajahn Chah is his teacher, magnificent, amazing teacher. Then Ajahn Chah came up, smiled at me and said, Wat Pa Pung is a lot of suffering, isn't it? And he walked away. So I thought, why did he say that? And actually, you know, it's not all that bad. He got me to contemplate. Is sweeping the leaves really unpleasant? No, it's not. It's kind of a neutral thing. You sweep the leaves and it's neither here nor there. Is sweating all that terrible? Is it really a miserable, humiliating experience? Is it really as bad as I'm pretending it is? No, sweating's all right. It's a perfectly natural thing to be doing. And I don't have skin cancer. And the people at Wat Pa Pong are very nice. The teacher's a very kind, wise man. The monks have treated me well. The lay people come and give me food to eat. What am I complaining about? Reflecting upon the actual experience of being there, I thought, I'm all right. People respect me. I'm treated well. I'm being taught by pleasant people in a pleasant country. There's nothing really wrong with anything except me. I'm making a problem out of it because I don't want to sweat and I don't want to sweep leaves. Then I had a very clear insight. I suddenly perceived something in me which was always complaining and criticizing and which was preventing me from ever giving myself to anything or offering myself to any situation. I like that example, the truth, it should be understood. It has been understood. He was suffering. He knew that this should be understood. So he started to contemplate it. I also like too, he just went through a intellectual contemplation. You know, it wasn't like this epiphany of impermanence or emptiness or anything, you know, which is really the big insights, you know, that we get along the way. We see the nature of these sufferings is impermanent, empty from inherent existence, unsatisfactory in nature, you know, dukkha. But there's a lot to it with just this, this in, uh, intellectual, conceptual, dualistic uh, in, uh, contemplation and reflection too. You know, so so e even even with that, uh, there there can be a release, you know, of suffering. Um, so, yeah, just really quickly, I want to talk about a couple other points. Kind of, I want to give us time to discuss, you know, together as a group too. Uh, but I want to also talk about some positive reflections. So we have the obstacles, ignoring suffering, and seeing pleasure as the way out. Right. So those are those are kind of, you know, some some obstacles. But there's also some positive reflections, and one of them is the universal universal aspect of suffering. And this has been popularized lately with mindful self-compassion. You know, the work of Christian Neff, you know, she really has, uh, and Chris Kerdmer, they've really brought this to the forefront, you know, with that, with that teaching. And of course, this has been uh, a reflection in, in Buddhism, you know, for, for the duration of, of a Buddhist practice, which is, this is what really brings us together. You know, Ajahn Sumedho was also talking about some propaganda that he was, uh, you know, exposed to. Uh, you know, in, in his booklet, he's talking about this. And, you know, the propaganda, of course, is painting a certain picture of the enemy as being evil and, and all this stuff. But once we, you know, share images and learn from one another about our shared suffering, you notice that this always this you know it humanizes you know suffering humanizes us all right that we're all together in this way we all suffer so this is a really is very connecting and unifying as we do this 
And there's obviously a relief of, of suffering because of this, that I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in, in this. And so this, this reflection is actually quite positive and stabilizing when we reflect on this, that the shared aspect uh, in, in humanity, all of us, doesn't matter how rich you are, where you're from, color of your skin, doesn't matter. Right? We all have this uh, reality of, of suffering. And the, the second piece is this identification, the second positive reflection is that when we look at suffering, existing and again this is really nice to just break this piece you know kind of off from and put it by itself suffering's arising it's not mine and and it's not me so this this reflection is huge and you know as we know the concept of of me and mine and this self-existing I is really the root of where the, the grasping comes into play. So that the, the very root of suffering, which is I'm suffering. This is the very root of it. So um, impatience at the stoplight is arising. I, you know, impatience is arising. That's not a problem. I'm impatient. That's a problem. You know, I'm not going to get to where I'm going. That's a problem. You know, if I if I'm impeded in some way, my progress is impeded. That's a problem. Right? And but when we look and start to start to understand again, the wisdom through understanding is that this is arising. It doesn't have to be mine. Doesn't have to be, you know, me. I could create a persona around that if that happened again and again. I'm an impatient person. You know, if I if I self identify with that impatience once twice, three times. Not only is it my impatience, but I'm impatient. So now my persona is of an impatient person, right? So, and this can compound, you know, the, the, the suffering. So we can get kind of locked into the suffering of being an impatient person, right? So it just kind of keeps going. So th this this understanding, which is just very, very, it's just true, right? It's not, um, you don't need to believe it. <laughs> it's just, it's like this, you know, it's just like this. This is arising. It's not me, it's not mine, it just is. You know, this part of the, uh, part of the wisdom that we get out of it. And it's part of the tools, you know, I mentioned the tools. This magical tool of non-judgmental awareness. And remember, we don't need to say non-judgmental awareness. We don't need to say non-judgmental. Awareness is automatically non-judgmental. We say it as clarification to make sure that we're, you know, not conceptualizing awareness. But the tool of mindful attention it's very, very pure. It kind of washes away the delusions of it's like this or like that. No, it's not like this or like that. It just is. Just this. You know. And then we could really get some wisdom from that. So there is suffering. There is an origin. There's a cause, which is grasping. There's a cessation, which is non-grasping, and there's a path out. And the insights of this is the truth of it. It should be, it should be understood. It has been understood. So maybe as we go into groups today, we can share times that we have struggled with grasping 
which has led to more suffering and just sharing that experience because we all do it, right? And then also maybe share some, some instances that we're able through some wisdom to practice non-grasping. You know, we've noticed suffering and we've noticed, okay, I don't need to follow it at this time. And so we could share in any relief of suffering too. So we could learn from each other in these, these experiences. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.